And I didn't really want to move back here because, I mean, the economy is like, if you're in the oil industry, the economy is pretty good, but if you're not in the oil industry, it's, yeah, it's not so good. So I didn't see the children for seven years. I had, a, I had unrestricted access to the foster care, so I was able to pick the children up and over time they became to trust me and then after a while they were spending more time with me than in foster care. I really think the main reason I didn't quit 100% is I just took so many breaks. Welcome to the Two Dad to Quit podcast. The podcast where we highlight stories of dads on the other side of divorce. To inspire and give strength to dads going through it. I'm Ben. And I'm Yoel. Welcome back to the Two Dad to Quit podcast. You can find us on twodadtoquit.com, twodadtoquit on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. We have a YouTube Clips channel, and we want to share your story. So please reach out to us. Everybody has a story to share, and your story can help others. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment, and we want to hear from you. Today, we are sitting down with Robert Glasgow. Robert has been living in Newfoundland, Canada since 2006. He has a son, 18, and a daughter, 16 who are living with him full-time after a seven-year battle to see his kids. Robert loves hiking and helping people and has previously lived in South Africa, teaching computers and working for nonprofits in many industries before starting his own nonprofit to help parents with messy family issues and trying to put the child first, something Robert knows all too well. Well, thank you, Robert. We uh, really appreciate you joining us. like I said previously, we've, we've been tracking you down. You were one of the first people that we found on social media um, that was a proud single father. And uh, we really wanted to help share your story and hear your insights. Um, Newfoundland, Canada, that's where you began your life. And then you took a detour to South Africa. How did that work? Uh, well, I lived in the UK before South Africa. I was in London for a while in Edinburgh. I was working in investment banks in London, and it was good money, but <laughs> didn't love it. But uh, Edinburgh was more, I was working in hospitals, doing some computer programming as well. But uh, my favorite job ever was working in South Africa, setting up computers in really poor high schools, because it was very rewarding. And then wow. after, the, after that, I moved back to Newfoundland, and I met my, well, now ex-wife. Got it. And then you were stuck. You didn't know her before when you grew up there? Uh, no, she lived in a close to me, but not uh, overly close. Got it. Got it. And so I'm just going to jump right ahead to just the things I've seen on, on your social media. Uh, I see that you're very big into Wim Hof and, and the breathing exercises um, and the cold plunges. Is that, yeah, do I understand that correctly or am I just enjoying the pictures that you're posting? Yeah, I had a cold shower today. Now, it wasn't as cold as I'd like it to be because it is summer. But uh, yeah, I, I find it's one of the only things that keeps me, well, less stressed. I'm still, I don't know, I had a few battles. I mean, I got diagnosed with ADHD about five years ago. I got diagnosed with hemochromatosis, which is high iron. And sometimes if iron's really high, I just, I don't know, I think it's probably more iron now because I don't feel as stressed as I used to. Because mm-hmm. I'm just trying to better myself and doing lots of things. I've uh, recently started microdosing magic mushrooms, and I find it's really helpful. Wow! And, and can you give a little background for for Wim Hof? I know what it is, uh, and 
and kind of his mission and, and the breathing that he and his whole philosophy. But do you mind giving our listeners a little uh, background on that and, and why it appealed to you? But, uh, yeah, so Wim Hof is, um, well, in 2017, I started doing cold showers. I didn't know who Wim Hof was at the time. I read, I think it was the four-hour work week, and they mentioned cold showers. So I decided I just was, I started out doing just hot and then cold. Then I decided I'm going to do hot. I'm just going to do, or so I'm going to do hot for a few days after about nine months of doing cold showers. And uh, two days later, I had the worst flu I ever had in my life. So I find doing the Wim Hof breathing now and the cold showers, I find that I'm not as, uh, I don't get sick. I find it less stressed, uh, less stressful. Uh, the picture I think you've seen at the, I think I got the picture on, on my Zoom when the video is not there. And that's part of a, uh, a documentary I did. Now, uh, the documentary is not out yet. But it was 16 or 8 of us did a uh, like a three-minute dip. And it looks pretty cool, the picture, because it's yeah, a keyhole. Awesome picture. And uh, that's from a Wim Hof instructor. He's not a Wim Hof instructor anymore. But he got me into, well, I think I knew about Wim Hof maybe a few months before I met this guy. But I'm in his group now. And there's a lot of just people from Egypt here doing doing, doing the Wim Hof. And they were more go. This guy is more gung-ho than me. This Egyptian guy. He's a kickboxer. Wow. My, my daughter asked me, how come he looks so in shape? I said, well, at least 25 years younger than me. And he's a <laughs> kickboxer. So <I'm> like... <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. And that and people are coming up to, to Canada because it's the, they can get the ice like out of the box or in nature. Or is that why they're coming up by you? Nature anyways. <laughs> well, there were 16 of us and they're all from Newfoundland. So, but there is a, there is some places I've seen, for instance, in the Yukon, there's a there's a program you can do with this guy, a coach, I guess it is, and you go to the Yukon and you do the Wim Hof. I mean, I, I even I was even shoveling snow in shorts there last year and people were looking at me like I was insane, but I didn't find it cold because I guess with the but it must have something to do with the breathing as well. Cause it's like controlled hyperventilation, right. what I would say. And the next day I just walked from my friend's house or to my friend's house and I'm in a duplex and I actually felt cold in those two minutes. So I must have, and I didn't do the breathing. So I must have something mm -hmm. to do with the breathing as well. Wow. And wow. and that breathing kind of, what, what's the point of the breathing and, and what do you get from the breathing? Because it's, I don't know if anybody who's watching it, it looks crazy. It's, it's a lot of like, I don't know if you've ever been in a, a birthing room, when somebody's giving birth, it looks like that's what's happening. Like it's a lot of hee foos and it's bit, but it's very methodical. It's not, you know, just breathe crazy. There's an actual system yeah. to it. The power of the breath. You're gonna blow your mind. So mindset, relaxed. Are you ready? Here we go. Uli in, let go. Uli in, let go. Rhythmically, find your flow. Find your circular way of going into it, coming in, letting go. Can you I did see a few. I did see. I did see a few people doing it, and they seemed like they were like they were just overdoing it to me. It just seemed like just. But I do know when I first started doing it, I nearly fainted. Like it was really intense, and and, and it must be true what they say about oxidating the muscles because. I was able to do I think it was fifteen push-ups, and then when I did the breathing, I was able to do thirty. 
Wow. And same with pull-ups. I did five, and then when I did the breathing, I did I was able to do ten. Wow. But the breathing, yeah, it's, it's I guess you do the breathing. You you do like deep breaths, and you let let out a little bit, and then you do another deep breath, and you you don't do a full breath out. At least that's my understanding of it. And then you do the breath holds of thirty seconds, a minute, two minutes, whatever you can do, and then you do a thing called a, a, a so when you do your last breath of say thirty or forty, you hold your breath out for a minute or two minutes, thirty seconds, what have you, and then you do a recovery breath of 10 or 15 seconds. You breathe in for 10 or 15 seconds and then you breathe out. I guess I find it, I don't know if it's just instead of doing say Buddhist type stuff, if I just, if this just helps me type thing. Well, I'm gonna ask you about that uh, because you have in the background there, I, I don't wanna take us off Wim Hof yet. I don't know, maybe Ben has more questions, but you mentioned the Buddhist. I see their autobiography of a yogi, which I have in my, my library, uh, uh, behind me here as well. I don't know, somewhere in one of those books. Um, so I see you're into the the sort of the yogi stuff too. Maybe we'll get into that. But uh, but I wanted to ask you, Robert, just about the, the Wim Hof. Do you find that it gives you like, it, it sounds like it's a great social uh, outlet as well, just for all our listeners out there, um, you know, looking to get into something. So not only for the physical benefits, but would you say it also is a great outlet for socializing? Like, is it like a sort of community that you find with, of, of people, uh, like-minded people? Yeah, there's lots of people do it, and um, hopefully now in the next winter I will go. And I don't live right in the city, so I don't always go and go to all the events. But I want to try to go to some of the events at least on the weekends, and yeah. do some of the more cha uh, charity events that people put off. That is I've done I've done done a few charity dips as well for uh, for ch for children's charities for people people that are dying. Children's Wish. I guess from you're from Toronto. I guess you would know what Children's Wish is. I don't know if it's in the States or not. Right. But uh, yeah, so like, I guess terminally ill children want to go see their favorite rock star or they want to... I did a, yeah, I did a few dips for that. Wow, amazing. So there's a Make-A-Wish in the States. I don't know. It's international. Oh, maybe, uh, maybe it's Make-A-Wish. Maybe I just said it wrong. I'm not sure. It was one or the other. That's cool. Were you always into this alternative, I don't know, lifestyle or therapies or self, you know, improvement? Or is that, okay. is that a new thing for you? Well, 10 years ago, I did a mindfulness course just when I, when I was able to get to see my children. Now my children ended up in foster care back then, but we can get into that later. But yeah, so I just, was I was going to see a counselor and I was one-on-one -on -one counseling, but I did it so long. It did help, but then I was just doing so many one-on-ones for four or five years. I was like, I got in some group sessions as well, and I found the divorce support group I did and a few other things were better at the time. But I, I did recently do a one-on-one, -on -one and I found it good, good because I haven't done one-on-one -on -one in like 10 years. So I did find it good to get everything off my chest, I guess. But uh, I guess it started 10 years ago doing mindfulness. I did that program through, uh, through a church. Yeah, it was through a church, yeah. And that was all post-divorce? Yeah, yeah. With, uh, so that was from 2006 to 2013. I didn't see the children. And sometime in 2013, I did this program. Or it might have been 2014. I can't remember. But it was one or the other. It was either late 2013 or early 
No, it was definitely late 2013 is this when I started. And I lived in London, England, and I used to look like, I mean, I was looking at the Harry Christians going, oh, what are these guys? And back, looking back, I wish I actually went to one of their things because maybe back when I was in my 20s, I would have been able to cope better on my divorce. Now, I mean, I did cope pretty good, but... And I didn't like drink myself to death or anything or drink like crazy, but I did, I guess, I mean, it was stressful, obviously, but I don't know if I tuned everything out or I don't know, I made it true somehow without getting too. Yeah. Is that that when you got into also, because I mentioned the books, uh, for those that are listening, uh, Robert's got a whole bunch of books, uh, a lot of which I also have on my shelves. There's Tony Robbins there. Uh, Think and Grow Rich, the famous Napoleon Hill, autobiography of a yogi. Did you get into these books uh, also around the same time that you were getting into mindfulness or or was it a different time period? I'd say I got more into the books in probably 2015. I started buying some books at the... Now, I don't read a whole lot anymore. I, I'd rather, when I'm at the gym, I'll, I'll listen to the books now. I, I'll do, I'm going to try to pick out a book to read every night, though. Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine wrote a book on chat gbt so i might actually read that because i've been using uh-huh. that to, to come up with ideas for names and i found it pretty i think it can be a good and bad thing i'm sure it can be used either way but uh yeah wow nice and your your background in nonprofit is that does that come from your youth like I, i'm i'm trying to figure out the computer programmer side of you and then the you know the mindfulness helping the greater good side of you. And I, I'm trying to <laughs> figure out if it's all one person or there was an enlightenment period where you decided, hey, the computers are too narrow. I need to widen my mind. Well, I'm back in university now doing some courses in psychology, different things, just to see what I'd like to do. But I, I do, I found that I'm a bit more creative than the programming. I know programming is creative, but I, I would much rather be edit, editing videos than sitting down doing programming but I guess I always I did do volunteer work in college and I did do volunteer work in different things but I guess working in Africa for the well I was in Africa nine months working and then someone came in with machine guns and stole the computers and that kind of ended wow. that but so, so then uh, were you, were you the, there for that no it wasn't that we, we went to the most dangerous area Johannesburg and we told them we, you need to secure this place and well the school never listened so i mean wow. i did feel a bit bad about that because i thought i mean i might be helping these children and their parents come and steal the computers now it could have been anyone but i just was a bit jaded over that i guess yeah. for a few days but then i realized you know whatever happened happened i can do what i can only do and then i did nine months of travel but i guess i want to help other people because i went I know that I want to make a bit of money from it, but I also want to help other people. And I f- I've just found a way, hopefully, to... Uh, I don't have it all set up yet, but hopefully I found a way to... don't have to charge parents. It's kind of commission thing that if they use a service, they'll get a little bit of commission, whatever. Not too much, but hopefully quantity over it. But like I said, I just want... I, I'm looking at it as a, as a... I guess a for-profit social enterprise because the university's helped me with it. And they said for profit as long as it's mostly to help other people, which I'm okay with that because the highlight of my career was helping those people in Africa. And I don't have a lot of money here, but looking back at the people I helped in South Africa, I mean, they had way more less and I'm sure it's even worse there now. 
with yeah, the economy um, and whatnot. Sure. And uh, I don't know if you want to get into your story now or talk about what you're planning on doing to help others that, that may be in the situation that you were in. I think maybe maybe you can get into a little bit about your story with your kids um, and that ordeal. Um, yeah, we'll do that helps. first, I guess. Yeah, that, that sounds better, getting that first. And Well... When I moved back from South Africa, I got a job working at a hiking company. Well, not for profit here, actually. And it was only $6 an hour, which was the minimum wage here back then. This was 2002, I guess it would be. Because uh, I was looking for work for about a year and I couldn't find anything. So I said, you know, I'll um, might as well try to find something. And I found a hiking place and I really liked it. It got me into hiking. So, and I worked there from 2002 to 2000, so about 16 months. Well, I met my ex-wife at the time as well. So we were chatting and we decided to move to Brampton, Ontario. But anyway, like things were going pretty good. We went to Quebec City. We did some things together, went camping, just having fun. And I didn't really want to move back here because... I mean, the economy is like, if you're in the oil industry, the economy is pretty good. But if you're not in the oil industry, it's, yeah, it's not so good. Or if you're going out to Alberta doing rotations and work camps or something, yeah, it's pretty good. But like other, everything else, the economy is not that great. Never has been. I mean, oh, my, yeah, my mother bought the house and I'm glad she did because I, I would have had nothing right now. I mean, I have a beautiful home right by the ocean. I only paid 29000 for it. Wow. And I was able to buy it like just cash pretty much. And uh, so, yeah, so we have a beautiful house by the ocean, not a big house, but I'm not like that. I don't need a Ferrari or a big, huge house. I was only seeing them over the seven years. I was only seeing them at ice hockey and say gymnastics or soccer or whatever. Just, um, and if I did see him, she had to be there. Like she had the control. I mean, I, I did everything I could over the seven years to say, look, uh, I did a home visitor program with a, I guess it was a social worker came in, which I didn't mind because at, like uh, this was in 2009, I think, because, and I didn't see the children in a while. So, I mean, I could I could have used the help because I didn't know how to, like how hard it was going to be. So for about three or four months, I was able to see him on a Sunday for a few hours with this social worker. But back to here, so I didn't see the children for seven years. The, I mean, I did lots of counseling. I did parent or uh, father groups like parent father parenting groups i've done parenting young children groups i mean i did everything i could i jumped over hoops i think it affected more than i think it affected him more than my daughter because my daughter was a bit younger when she came with me she was six going on seven because she my ex-wife was pregnant when she left with my daughter wow so, so um yeah so she so, uh, yeah. so how did it turn from you not seeing them to you having it? Well, I didn't do anything special. I always, if people ask me, I didn't do anything special. So my daughter, she was really happy to see me, but my son, he was terrified. And so they both ended up in foster care from, I'm trying to remember now, it was for nine months anyway. I'm thinking it was from, it was for nine months. I'm not sure exact dates off the top of my head, but, and I had a, I had unrestricted access to the foster care. So, I was able to pick the children up and over time they became to trust me. And then that, 
after a while they were spending more time with me than in foster care. I guess, I mean, it didn't, I don't think it affected my children like too bad, but I know they didn't like it there. But I guess it, it did also give me a time to adjust to show them that I wasn't this crazy person that they were told I was. Wow. So they've been with you for like 10 years? Yeah, well, August 2004 is when they officially came with me, uh, when they left foster care. Wow. They did come with me in in Christmas of uh, 2013 for like the Christmas because the foster parents were going around to some other part of the island of Newfoundland where I'm from. So they came with me. Wow. How did you get through all of this time without your kids in the house and not seeing them? You know, you said you didn't, you didn't turn too much to, to many vices. But well, I guess I know, got good friends. Living in the same city, you know, just being an arm's reach away. How did you deal with that? I don't know. I mean, I did go out with my friends instead of. Uh, Instead of drinking, I said, let me, you guys just give me a bit of money for gas and I'll drive you, make sure he makes it home just buy, and just buy me some waters. So I just went out, just went out with them. I had I had good parents. My, my father since passed away, but from the Parkinson's, but like I had good family support. I had good, good friends. I mean, for the most part, I had good friends and I, I don't know. I just... Maybe I don't have an addictive personality. I really don't know. I mean, I, I did drink a lot when I was younger. Well, I wouldn't say a lot, but more than some, less than a lot of other people. <laughs> but, did, you, um, did you ever think about just giving up and, and going back to, you know, somewhere else? I did, I did check on a few things and I did check on a few jobs and stuff. And I was like, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? But I decided to stick it out. My lawyer told me she couldn't believe I had legal aid for from 2010 to 2016 or something. And she said she couldn't believe that I just, as a man, like most men would have, would have just said beep it because <laughs> yeah, you know, it wasn't very, it wasn't very easy. But I'm glad I kept going. My daughter in the beginning when I got her was cra like, like crazy, like, like she was something caged. She was six, and I used to walk down my stairs backwards because I was afraid she wouldn't show me over the stairs. She was just just totally crazy. And uh, a lot of people say good job because she went from totally out of control to, to me, she's a perfect teenager. No one's perfect, but as far as teenagers go, she does the cooking for me. She loves to cook. She's uh, She does the, uh, she, she goes to an app we have here for looking for grocery deals. She loves going to thrift stores. She loves saving money. So she's the one who goes nice. to the groceries and finds if I pick something something I want and she goes dead on sale. Nope, she'll put it back. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'm uh, I'm teaching my my kids the same way. We uh, we go to the grocery store and I send them on missions. So like, go pick up the chips, and they'll come back. Ah, look, it was five for ten. And go pick up uh, you know the the cheese. All right, this one was on sale, and now they know exactly where to go and what to get and one will tell the other one sorry it's too much he's not going <laughs> to dad's not going to agree so put it back so now i even have yeah. little agents working for me 
Well, my son was very bitter for me, bitter towards me, like in grade 12, he had a, he had a really bad grade 12, like really bad. Like he was very bitter towards me. I mean, I expected the divorce to be not so nice, but I didn't expect it to be like horrible. But I, I guess the family support and just good friends. I went to Cuba on a vacation hmm. for seven days. It was good. I mean, I know the Americans don't go there, but uh, yeah, we went there and we we went to um, for seven days on the resort. It only cost me $1,100, including all-inclusive beer. I did drink a lot over there. Oh, my God. <laughs> I guess it was all free and stuff. I just let loose. So it was free alcohol, free food. Included the flight and included the the hotel room, so it was eleven hundred bucks Canadian. The food was yeah, food wasn't very good to tell you the truth. But I was never hungry because it was all inclusive. But uh, yeah, it was good though. I mean, I was with my friends and lots of Canadians, mostly Canadians, I would say. And I drank way too much, but it was good. I had a good time. <laughs> and how was the the walk back in time? walk back in time um i didn't go to Havana, so i did see some uh-huh. cars but uh, we didn't go we went to a place called veradero if i ever go back i might rent out an airbnb right in Havana, because where i travel a lot i've been to like 21 22 countries i i enjoyed myself with my friends but i would have rather probably got an airbnb in Havana and try to do it but then uh-huh. again I, I know no spanish so it might have been hard <laughs> and i went i went to ecuador as well for a week or two weeks, and that was good as well. But I had a breakdown when I came back from Ecuador. I did have a bit of a breakdown and started crying. Uh, oh, my life sucks so much not seeing my kids. Yeah, it comes in waves. Did you did you travel with your kids? Uh, I did travel a bit around Newfoundland. It's just I don't have a lot of money right now, so I didn't. we did travel, and there's lots of beautiful places here, like some of the most beautiful places in the world. Like, I'm sure Israel has beautiful places. Everyone has beautiful places. So we did a bit of travel. When my son comes home from the army, we're going to a place. They're going to laugh at the name. The actual name of the place is called Dildo. (laughs) It's been made famous by... uh, Moments from now, I will find out if I will be named the first ever mayor of a small town in Newfoundland, a town known as Dildo. I don't know what... I'm sure that came before the female thing, but yeah, that's the name of the... And we're going there for a few days. I'll go with my friends for th- for two days to a, another place. My daughter don't want to go. She wants to stay by herself. So I don't mind. I trust her and everything. So she can stay here for a few days. And it's not like she's going to go far. I mean, it takes about an hour and, and a half or two hours, three hours, four hours to walk to the city. So, Wow. And your relationship with your kids, how would you, you know, you talk about, when it first happened, you were nervous. You wanted it was good to have someone around. Uh, to now, you have them, you know, your daughter all the time, and your son when he comes home, and you had him for a while. How was that transition making? You know, that connection and building that trust. Like, how? What was that process like for you? Well, I guess it happened gradually, and my son realized, I think, in foster care that I wasn't a bad person, because I dropped my daughter off to bowling birthday party with a friend, and she said to, um, or my son said to me, he said, I'm so stupid. I seen you up to ice hockey, and you were trying to see me. I should have known you were a good person. I said, well, if you want to talk about it, you can, but you're only, like, you're only, like, 
less than 10 years old, like from probably four years, six years old to now. So you just shouldn't have to worry about that. Like you're just, you're just a child. You were just a child and you didn't know the difference. And I'm not hurt over it. And he said, okay. But he said, uh, he said, I feel, just feel stupid that I didn't realize you were a good person. Uh, it hurts me to hear, hear your story and, and what these children had to go through. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I'm looking at you and you're, you're a person who, you know, overcame a lot and you are so positive um, towards the future. Is that, uh, have you always been so positive? Not really. I was born below two pounds at birth. My mother really coddled me. I wouldn't say I got bullied in high school, but I got picked on. I wouldn't call it bullying because I don't, I think it made me, it's only when I moved to England, I think, that I actually came out a bit of my shell because here in Newfoundland, when I was growing up, I was, had good some good friends, but in, in high school, I just hated high school because there were some idiots there, like, I guess, all um, <laughs> generation, all generations, but it seems like worse now, like, where my where my daughter used to go to school it was the worst probably one of the worst schools in in Newfoundland for bullying. No one really bullied my son who was big, and no one bullied my daughter because my daughter like she's she's kind and everything, but she got a hairpin trigger. I, I'd be scared if someone bullied her. She might just I'd say it'd be ambulance's call. It wouldn't be for her, but she's in a new school now. She likes it way better. So my daughter wanted to move pretty much because she's. She has friends and everything, but she's a bit more, I don't know, it's not private, but I don't know. She can be like myself. I can be reserved, but I can also be like outgoing. Like I've kind of been, I'm sometimes happy just being by myself home watching a movie and sometimes just want to be around people. But anyway, I guess the uh, police or the, the students at school were asking, oh, what happened to your brother? Is your brother alive? Is your brother alive? Just, I don't know, just, but the new school in the city, because we, we live in more of the country, I would say. And the school in the city has a lot more opportunity, like for courses and whatnot. So it seems like a much better course, bit better. Well, the way they do it is a bit better. And she uh, she's doing much better there in where her marks and everything. And just, yeah, she just enjoys it there a lot more. Nice. So now you, you're you're trying to take your experiences and helping others. Uh, can yeah. you tell us a little bit about what your plans are and, and how you how you want to do that? Uh, because you're certainly well, not the only the or, the only parent that's in your that was in your situation. That's for sure. Oh, I know, I know. Um, even here in Newfoundland, there's some some father snapped. I don't don't know his situation, but he went down to the local. Uh, family court probably didn't handle it so good he went down revving a chainsaw outside the doors got wow. charged with whatever whatever he would charge with that but probably didn't handle it so good but i mean i know people probably just gets driven to the to the brink of craziness and yeah i guess i just uh, right now i'm going to start posting on tiktok just my story probably not going to be overly in depth just in general and just uh, try to work on some of my things. Like I want to start a software platform 
like a crowdfunding platform, but I came up with an idea to make it a bit more unique. And I have a bunch of lawyers that I email. I know I could have, should have had more done than I done did, but I guess I was so stressed and didn't probably believe in myself enough to. But now is the right time to do something. But I want to email Lars, like say if you you needed a lawyer in Tel Aviv, wherever you're to, I don't know where you're to, but I'd have a list of lawyers that would work with you for like a 10% discount for using my crowdfunding software, Some, something like that. I don't know if that will take off, if it will work, but I might as well just give it a try. Someone told me, there's a guy I know from a small, really small town. He started the business helping entrepreneurs with marketing, and he's worth $40 million now or something. A lot of people want to work with him because he made a bad business deal and went to over a million dollars in debt. And he's only 32, I think. And he told me it's a, he thinks it's a good idea if I can just market it right and and I said, I don't care about making millions, but I just want to make enough for me to be a bit comfortable with people to save money, make their own money through this to pay for the lawyers. Because, I mean, Jesus, like I had legal aid, which is good. But a lot of people, even if they're making money, like how how you, I don't know. I, I did five, a five-day court date, five days straight with expert witnesses, witnesses, five full days. Like I don't know how much it would be at, yeah, that wouldn't that would be a lot of money just for that week. But I had legal aid. Wow. Well, you know, we're we're happy to see that that you're uh, on the other side, and it, it, you know, just looking behind you at all these books, you have definitely, you know, picked the right. You know, there's a thing about attaching yourself to the right mentor. So there may not be a lot of mentors in Newfoundland but there are certainly lots of mentors on the bookshelf behind you. And, you know, Yoel will quote me these books all day long if I would let him. And yeah, uh, yeah. There, there's, there's a lot of wisdom in there. And, uh, you know, even with Wim Hof, you know, it's, it's body, mind, soul, um, drive, and, and not just reading it, but turning it into action, right? A lot of people just read these books right. and then they put them away and then they read the next book. But it sounds like you really took it to heart. You changed a lot about you uh, for the better, and and now you're looking to give back and and try to help people um, because, uh, as you know, there isn't a lot of help. And some places have legal aid. Some cities are way too big and they can't afford to do that. And uh, you know, I'm really I'm excited to see uh, what you do build. Um, I would like you to also consider going even beyond the lawyers and, you know, mediators and therapists and kind of like a, you know, div, you know, a divorce resource, but like also subsidized somehow uh, yeah. because it, it's, you know, a lot of people, when you split everything in half, some people have stuff and some people don't have anything to when they're splitting everything up. And the people who don't have anything, you know, it comes with family. Some people have family to support them. Some people don't have family to support them. So even, you know, whatever it is, it is to keep it, you know, the lawyers are probably the most expensive route. But if you can throw in mediators or therapy or, you know, lots of different services. And, and um, I think there, there's a lot of potential there. Um, and then on the personal level, you know, it's amazing to see, you know, now your son is in the army. It sounds like, you know, 
he had an interesting childhood, but he's starting to turn it around and, and be focused and do something, you know, productive with his life, um, which I'm sure whether he'll say it or not has something to do with you. Um, and your daughter, it sounds like you guys have a, a great relationship and you're teaching her great life skills. Um, and, you know, this is the two dad to quit podcast. And we do like our guest to share with our audience a two dad to quit moment, a moment where you are just so happy with your kids or you think about that moment and you just light up. Uh, if you can share one of those moments with our audience, we would really appreciate it. I guess obviously being born when they were born, but I didn't see my daughter born because of all the nonsense. So I just, yeah, but I guess getting them back, I mean, getting them back and I mean, it was a struggle. It was hard. It was, I used to cry myself sleep when I first got them back. Uh, but having them back obviously would be, I'm glad I never quit. Wow. And, and I um, guess uh, this is the first time I was near, like, I haven't done a podcast in a long time. And I guess they weren't even podcasted years ago. They were more talk radio or something online that dealt with this type of thing. But um, I guess I did the Dale Carnegie course and they had, in part of Dale Carnegie had to do something that was really hurtful, hurt you. And I guess I was crying at the time talking about this same thing, pretty much. Uh, not as in-depth as only for a few minutes, but still crying. But, I mean, I do feel, I, I guess I'm hoping it's going to make me stronger uh, person, and I, I believe it has. I just need to believe in myself a bit more, work a bit harder on my things. I just, it's a bit hard to work with my daughter around, and we, we're doing things in the summer so nice. I mean, it's, well, too nice, too humid. I'm actually it was a bit sick before I started talking to you guys, but maybe this helped me not be sick and not think about it this extreme heat. This is worse than Africa, in my opinion. It's crazy. Wow. wow. I, something I would never think I would hear from a Canadian. Uh, and then, you know, something we also like to ask our guests to leave with the audience is some advice you would give to somebody who's thinking about divorce, going through divorce, going through some struggle around their marriage or their kids or, or, you know, anything from, from your experience that you would like to, to leave them with. I really think the main reason I didn't quit a hundred percent is I just took so many breaks. Like I went to Cuba. I went to Ecuador. I spent some time with my friends did a few things, but just, I never quit a hundred percent, but I had to take so many breaks because it was just trying to talk to my kids and they didn't treat me so like my son used to say hello, goodbye, good night. But I know that was his man. This but at least he was talking to me, I guess. And my daughter was also she used to say the same thing, hello, goodbye, good night. But she she sounded more cheerful when she did it. It was funny. <laughs> Looking back, it was funny. So I just I take so many breaks, try not to quit. I know this is hard, like I mean it's horrible. It's just one of the most, it's the most horrible thing I went through, obviously. And yeah, so, I mean, just don't quit a hundred percent. Take so many breaks to work on yourself as well. Maybe if I knew about mindfulness or before when I was going through, I mean, I, I, I didn't feel too bad. It's just, I guess it was so overwhelmed getting the children back was overwhelming from going from no contact to 
but then they ended up in foster care. So I guess we were able to work on our things together over the, over those nine months to show the children that I wasn't at this bad person I was let out to be. I've been single for nine years. And the reason, one of the reasons being is because the last girlfriend I went out with, she started treating my daughter not so good. So I said, you know, I'm going to work on myself more. I don't need this. And my daughter would, my, my daughter probably would have snapped and probably like, because her, her son was treating her not, my daughter not so good. And he was three years older than my daughter, but they're the same size. And I was afraid my daughter was just going to snap and probably pound, pound him. So I said, yeah, I'm going to, yeah, get rid of this. And I've been single nine years and I don't know if I'm lonely. I just, uh, I like traveling. So maybe I just want, might want to travel myself, uh, travel my kids a bit when I'm older and get this, uh, get a bit of extra money coming in. I don't care about being rich. I'm content with my house, beautiful house. I'm content with life. I just like to make a bit more money by helping others. I don't care about being a millionaire. Just try to find ways to help out, find some things that I used in the past. Like, yeah, I do have a mentor now down in Los Angeles and I do have a mentor, a few uh, accountability partners help me. I have one in Somalia. I didn't even know Somalia had internet, but they do. <laughs> Funny. Nice. Wow. So, so thank you uh, for taking the time. Um, I, you know, uh, trying to think what how to say this. You just listening to you, you know, to me the the summary of your story is it's worth it. You know, you went through hell, and you didn't give up, and you took your mini breaks, but you know, it, it had a it at the end. You know it was worth it and it's you know i think it's really important for our audience to know that however bad it gets in the process after the process just staying you know even if it's a hello goodbye good night connection that can lead to something in the future and it's so important to just stick around uh, because it's it's worth it and you don't know what the end is um, that that's what I'm getting, you know, from this story that you're sharing. So yeah, I really sure. do appreciate it. Um, and uh, for all of our listeners, this has been the Two Dad to Quit podcast. And don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and uh, we'll see you next week. This podcast provides a platform for our guests to express their own personal views and opinions. Some or all of these views and opinions may not be shared by Ben and or Yoel. Thank you for listening to the Two Dad to Quit podcast. Available at twodadtoquit.com. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode.